Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in University, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another week of the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong here once again in the office of Tyler Armstrong with the one and only Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? Oh, dude, man, just living the dream. You know, I, I, I put on Twitter uh, this past weekend, I finished my final two classes. All right, I have one class left. Congratulations. I have one class left. And listen, y'all, the grades aren't looking pretty. But at this point, <laughs> I quite frankly... I'm just trying to make it through. Yeah, well, getting out is the big thing, right? I mean, just trying to get, I mean, man, December the 11th, man, December the 11th. And so, yeah. um, pretty fun fact, y'all, I'll tell y'all a really quick funny story. I actually, my wife, so my son was born December the 18th, and uh, we got family that's going to be out of town that weekend, so we can't do his birthday party that weekend. So my wife hit me up and was like, hey, can we do his birthday party on December the 12th? And I was like, yeah, 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 there's nothing on the calendar that day. Well, there was nothing on the calendar that day, but that was supposed to be the weekend of my graduation trip. So, your boy scheduled a birthday party the same weekend at my graduation that's in Kansas City, Missouri. So. And when he says birthday party, they do it birthday party. Dog, we throw down. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't, I, I don't half send anything. Like, the, I don't believe in that. Like, I think if I'm going to go for something, it's 100% full send. It has to be. It's the way life is. It's not the way life is. Oh, but it's the way my seven is. <laughs> You're going on Enneagram on this way. Let's, let's use that as a segue to jump into where we're headed today. Uh, Tyler, why don't you start us off by telling us who have you been worshiping with? Well, man, just to tell you where my heart is, I mean, even more so, I've been listening to a song, Not in a Hurry, by Will Reagan and the United Pursuit. I mean, literally, the, just the chorus, this is, I'm not a hurry, you know, just to wait on your presence, just to be there. Because I have to remind myself, I mean, because once again, I mean, I'm joking when I say everything has to be full send, obviously. But that's how I live my life. Sure. Everything has to be full of sin. So I have to remind myself, Tyler, slow down. Don't out. Don't don't try. To, you don't got to run everywhere. Yeah. Walk. Walk slow. It's good. And that, and one thing, dude. I mean, one thing spiritually for me, having a toddler now that walks, walking his pace. Yeah. I mean, dude. that's been really good for me. Like, I mean, I'm like, because sometimes I like catch myself and walking ahead of him, and he's like having to run to keep up with me, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, man, I'm walking too fast. I need to slow down. And so, not in a hurry. Check out Will Reagan, United Pursuit. They're a favorite of mine and Justin. Me and Justin really like this band. Yeah, that's good. So, so yeah, so I've been listening to uh, a lot of different things. I just got through with a three-day motorcycle trip with camping involved in that. So, I was listening to a lot of music while I was riding on my intercom, talking with my buddy that I was riding with. And uh, I listen to a lot of stuff, but I really enjoy a little more hard-feeling stuff, like hard rock kind of style mm -hmm. when I'm riding a lot of times. Uh, but I was listening to King's Kaleidoscope, to Citizens, but I was keying in on uh, the band The Modern Post, which doesn't exist anymore. No. Um, but uh, it's but a, solid it theology. Solid theology, good music, came out of the Seattle area, and uh, just a really good. Kind of like, grungy. You know? They even redid some stuff, like Just As I Am, they mm -hmm. kind of redid that. Um but uh, some grungy kind of rock stuff. I like it a lot. But uh, tell, tell us about a book that you like to recommend. Now, these books are going to come at you from the angle of where we're headed today, which is kind of following through on uh, after basically or after the sermon talk on your sermon you just preached called yeah. The Evaluation of Marriage. So what would you recommend as a book that's in line with what you preached on? I'm going to recommend two. One to the not yet married, because yeah. there may be somebody listening to this podcast that is not yet married. 
and a book that's great to recommend to single people and uh, a book that I would recommend to every um, every married couple. Uh, the first one, Every Married Couple, This Momentary Marriage by John Piper. Yeah, kind of goes through the life of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was engaged um, and then was hung by the Nazis yeah. uh, for his plot to murder the Nazis. He was a pastor, too, which yeah. is how Crazy freaking dude. dope, man. You know, and so, but the book is incredible. I mean, um, I read this right after I got married. And I wish I'd have read it before I got married because yeah. it helped me to see, like, um, kind of the, the, the thesis of the book is that, man, marriage is a parable of permanence. You know, it feels like it's going to last and it doesn't, you know, but it points to something that does last. And that's the marriage between Christ and his church. And so it's just beautiful. Uh, not Yet Married by Marshall Segal is the second book. And this was a book that I'd recommend you to give anybody who's single, who's not yet married. Um, I give this to students when they graduate. This is one of the books I give them um, because this is just a great book for them to dive into to explore what singleness is in light of the gospel. I don't think the church talks about singleness enough, you know. Um, we talk about marriage a lot, but I think that singleness is something that we need to we need to dive into. We need a, we, the, the church needs a more robust theology of singleness, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. I mean, Paul talks about it. Um, sure. But we as the evangelical movement, I don't see it happen a lot. And that book's a really good one on that topic. It's good. Yeah, well, I'm going to suggest a couple of books. One is What Did You Expect by Paul David Tripp. Anything about Paul David Tripp is good. Uh, it's a good kind of relatively short treatise on mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's it's a good book. It's about uh, kind of dive into that book just a little bit. So, like, I mean, gosh, man, I read it so long ago, but I would say I know it's like marriage and like kind it's of about, your, it's about how yeah. to have good expectations, and the expectations are set around gospel centered values. Mm-hmm. And so, it's not expecting your wife to be your fulfillment, but it's expecting uh, her to be your partner, to encourage you, to rebuke you, to admonish you, and for you to do the same. That's good. Um, and to teach each other, to push each other towards Jesus. So the goal of marriage, you said it, you quote. Uh, uh, whoever you heard it from, I've heard it from different people, but you quoted in the sermon that that the object or that the end of, of marriage, the purpose is not for happiness, it's for holiness. So our goal should be seeing marriage as that, as the end. And so what did you expect? Just kind of helps to put things in perspective. Yeah. Um, the second one I would recommend is one that I, um, my wife's going to laugh at me for recommending this, but it's called A Celebration of Sex mm-hmm. by Douglas Rosano. That's R-O-S-E-N-A-U. And it's basically a, a sex manual for couples that are getting married or that are married. Uh, it deals with everything from... Uh, and it's by believers. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it is like, I mean, Douglas, I mean, he's a, he's a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. And it's something that, you know, I'm just going to be transparent. Like I waited for marriage. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I mean, going into, you know, you genuinely do not know what to expect from sex whenever you've never had sex. And yeah. so like, I wish I'd had that book, like genuinely. It's a great book. Ben. Yeah. It does have drawings in there. It talks about, here's what yeah. female genitalia and male genitalia looks like. And here's how it works. And then it gives you language about how to speak about things. And here's what floor play looks like. Here's why foreplay is important. Here's, mm-hmm. Here's how, um, here's the mechanics of how our body works. Here's erogenous zones. Here's third level. So there's massage techniques. Here's, I mean, just all kinds of pieces. It even has in the back of the book, it talks about um, sex when you're in your 50s and above. It talks about after sex, childbirth. Yeah, sex after childbirth, which is a whole nother realm people don't even think about. It talks about sex with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just deals with a lot of pieces. It's a great resource. Mm-hmm. I think every couple, if you sat down and you read a chapter a week together as a couple, and did what it says in the book, I think you would find that your marriage would be the intimacy, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, would be increased uh, tremendously. Yeah, that's that's the best thing about the book, in my opinion, is that it's a book on intimacy. I mean, obviously, it's a celebration of sex, but I think that we in our very, 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 very hyper-sexualized culture 
we've kind of lost the purpose of sex. And yeah. this book draws you back to the purpose of sex, which is to build intimacy between you and your yeah. wife. So, I mean, the, the subtitle to this is A Guide to Enjoying God's Gift of Sexual Intimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what it's for. Yep. So it's a really great book. It's a big red book. Um, buy it. It's like six forty nine on Kindle. I would advise you to buy it in person, like to have the book, I mean. Yeah. And it's like seventeen ninety nine. You can buy it used for like two bucks on Amazon. Oh, wow. Probably like four ninety nine shipping. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's... Listen, y'all, I don't know if you know this about Amazon, just really quick. You can buy books for like pennies yeah, on Amazon. Like I always one, buy used on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, one cent and then four ninety nine shipping. Yeah. Bro, that's cheaper than Prime. Like, yeah, like you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so... That's how I buy everything. Yeah, In but, fact, most of the stuff I bought for our staff, if we had bought like a book for everybody that we're going to read together, I buy it all Comes used. in like 18 different packages. Yeah, dude, I get it's, it used. Because <laughs> I, I save us like, you know, twice the amount of money it would cost to buy them new. So. Oh, dude, it works. And so... All good. right, man. Well, well today's we're, topic. Yeah, so. we're getting into your topic, so I'm leading here, Tyler. You can oh, take a seat. Man. You're good. I know it's hard. <laughs> you don't know what to do. But <laughs> we're going to talk about the, the sermon you just preached yeah, on the man. devaluation of marriage and how can I have a healthy marriage. And so uh, let me say this in the front end. I feel like, Tyler, that this topic was probably one of the most difficult you've probably ever had to preach For on sure. that stage. 100%. And I think that you really struggled through that process. We had multiple conversations about where you were, where you were headed, and just you were struggling through that because you love this church. You yep. love the people. And so you were talking about that topic. But also, um, I would say from my perspective, I think it's one of the best sermons I've seen you preach. Man, thanks, man. And especially, you know, that it's harder once I've heard it, right? So in the in the modern service was like the, the you nailed it. In the second service, I was dealing with kids, a little distracted. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you really just, you were point on with mechanics of preaching. You were point on with your gospel application of what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that... Uh, it's such a big, diverse topic. It, I thought it, you did a good job. It really is, man. That was the thing that, like, I was telling Thomas, y'all, like, so we, I mean, we were, we're doing three services. My voice is absolutely strained today. So we're doing three services. We're doing driving at eight, modern at nine, and then traditional at 1030. And so, I mean, within that, you know, two and a half hour, three hour span, you're preaching three sermons. And uh, for me, I mean, just, it was very difficult because the drive-in, I had a completely different crowd. Modern, I had a completely different crowd. Traditional, I had a, I mean, there was no, right. like, homogenous crowd where, you know, I'm talking to a bunch of, you know, 20 to 30-something married people like me. Right. I was talking, I mean, I said it in the second service. There was somebody, a, a dead serious, after the first service, Harold and Betty Cronut, all right, which are, like, heroes of mine. Today's their 74th wedding anniversary. Yeah, they were actually, like, in the paper for being, like, the sweetest couple. 74th wedding anniversary today yeah dude like bro I've, they I, walked I've down the hall they're holding hands four years they've been married 70 years longer than me and so like i'm sitting there going like <laughs> okay how in the world do i i mean but but the truth is is that we, we need to be frank Harold and betty is in seasons have devalued yeah, their yeah. marriage sure i've devalued my marriage as a semi newlywed you know and i was even talking to like um you know anna Ed and anna and edward yesterday yeah. you know they are like newly newlyweds they got married during covid and so i mean like it we literally had somebody who's been married, you know, six months, six to six to eight months. And then we had somebody married 74 years. Yep. And so, I mean, it was just a really, but man, that's the reason I wanted that topic. You know, I, I wanted the challenge and man, the Lord, I feel like just, it taught me a lot in that sermon. Sure. And so, but you yeah. Said, you said some really cool stuff, by the way. So like, I wanted thanks. to point out some of this. So one of the ones that really caught me off guard that I thought was really good, this quote said, we look to other fountains to satisfy us. And you said, even, even Netflix, we look to other things. Yeah. When those fountains are not fountains at all, they're cisterns full of dirty water. And man, like how 
like that really pierced the brain of a visual, you know, yeah. what we looked to. You know, that, I got that from Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah yeah. he talks yeah. about that. He talks about how, like, you know, like these the, the people of Israel kept returning to cisterns of essentially toilet water. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I did. I mean, I wasn't that frank. You know, I don't. Yeah. I didn't have that prophetic voice. Um, but yeah, man, I. So many times I look back at my marriage in the last four, going on five years. I mean, in ten years together. I mean, we've been together for a while, but marriage specifically. How many times have I tried to seek something that's that is not my wife to satisfy me, sure. to satisfy that longing inside yeah. my heart for intimacy and and other things, and it doesn't satisfy. No, never. It poisons in a yeah, lot of ways. Sure you know? does. And so, yeah, that's good. And then your main point for the whole sermon was don't devalue your marriage. Let your marriage shout the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think you're saying two things there, but if you do one, like the last one, let your marriage shout the gospel, it will run the other one the right way. Yeah, right? 100%. So, so talk to us a little bit about, uh, kind of replay, what are the main points for that you would have to say, sum it up again, and what you would add to it today? How would you kind of go about leading us down the path of how to make sure we don't devalue our marriage? Yeah, man, and, and this is something that, you know, I, I noticed when I left yesterday that I feel like I could, I, I feel like I had some, you know, practical applications. And so this is one of the best things about after the sermon. You know, we can tackle some practical applications. So you may be wondering, you may be sitting here today, you know, going, okay, Tyler, man, like, that sermon pierced me in the heart. You know, like I felt it pierced in my heart. The word really just did a work inside of my soul. You know, I want to love my wife better. I want to love my husband better. I want to love Jesus better. The main point, you know, I want us to love Jesus better. And so how can you have a healthy marriage? And when I say that, when you have a healthy marriage, you don't devalue it. Like like you actually esteem it. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to go through seasons where you do devalue it. But how can you pursue a healthy marriage? And uh, the first thing that, you know, I would point you to is repent often. You know, yeah. repent often. Um, this is something that good. I, I tackled this really in the second service about how often when I look at my wife and I see a problem with my wife that I'm like, man, she needs to fix that. It's mostly me. Yeah, it's a problem in my own heart. And sure. so, learning how to say the two biggest what there's like this movie. It was a '90s movie. Love means I never love means never having to say I'm sorry. Yeah, that is such bullcrap. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. it just I mean, love means saying I'm sorry a lot. Yeah, not I just mean, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. Yeah, what I did was I wrong. I own it. Yes. I, I'm sorry, and I will not do it again. And I'll repent. I turn yeah. away from it. And yeah. and turning away from that sin. And, and it's going to be a you know a series of repentance. It's going to be something that as we push forward and grow towards Christ, what we see is is that repentance will become more prevalent. Um, and, and part of repentance is confession. You know, um, I, my heart breaks for, you know, especially in the midst of this porn, and I'm going to say pandemic. I mean, it it is is a pornography pandemic in our world, in our culture even, that, I mean, goodness, 90-some-odd percent of men now, you know, have viewed pornography. And I said it, that's cheating. Like, that that is adultery, and it's so concealable now, you know. Um, But, man, one of the greatest things that you can do is be confessional and be open. And it's not just men, y'all. It's women. Like, I mean, and, and... Sometimes it's the visual pornography that men are engaging with. Um, I, I mean, at my previous church, I actually counseled a sixth grade girl who was addicted to pornography. Sixth yeah. grade girl, you know. But at the same time, you know, we got Fifty Shades of Grey. That it was, I mean, that that's not like a big topic anymore. But like, I mean, female erotica, like that erotica novel. Yeah. How many evangelical women were reading that book? Yeah. I mean, we, we our minds would probably be. Well, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm gonna be real with yeah, sure. you. Um, Netflix had a Netflix had a movie that came out that was rated X this past year. Wow. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, was it 365? It was something like that. Obviously, I didn't engage with it. 
because I, I mean, I've read the review on it from Brett McCracken and all these guys who, you know, are gospel centric reviewers, but I mean, literally the entire show was nothing but X rated sex on Netflix, yeah. on Netflix, you know? And so, I mean, realize that when you engage with that content, you're cheating. Sure. It's adultery. I mean, biblically defined as adultery. It is. And I, and I think, I think that that was pretty clear in the sermon in the time what you talked about. Yeah. But one of the things that you didn't talk too much is about how to listen well. Yeah. And that, and that's one yeah, of the yeah. pieces that we wanted to cover today. Yeah. That was something that I see. Yeah. Listen well, man. <sighs> Yesterday, um, I, you know, it was pretty funny. I was talking to Harold and Betty after the service and uh, they were just telling me, you know, it's been 74 years and all this. And I asked Harold, I said, Harold, like, what's the secret, man? Like, you know, give me a secret sauce. What is it? You know? Right. And he said, you got to listen more than you speak. And man, coming from somebody that literally I, I talk, I mean, yeah. I talk for a living, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I mean, I, I talk a lot too. I'm a talker. You are talk a lot, oh, man. I'm telling you confession time. I talk a lot. <laughs> My wife would tell you one of the things I need to work on is listening, you know? And I mean, I mean, the old adage is, you know, you have two ears, one mouth, you know, listen twice more than you speak, you know? Yeah. And that's just something that, you know, especially in my marriage, learning how to listen well. Even a fool seems smart when they don't open their lips. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and and let's just be honest, we're intimidated by that. Like, we're intimidated sure. by, like, the silent person in the room and those things. But in all reality, like, that's wisdom. Yeah. You know, that's so much wisdom. I mean, just I mean, just this past weekend, I'll give you an example. Me and my wife, like, she told me, she's like, hey, listen, this is what I need. Like, I'm, I'm struggling here. I need this. I said, okay, babe, I got you. I got you. Fifteen minutes later, I literally just flipped it on his head and went right back at her with it with a thing that she didn't need yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's because i didn't listen like i mean i heard her and there's a difference between hearing and listening like please note that like there's a big difference between hearing and listening um and let me tell you something thomas winborn is one of the best about this active listening like i mean like yeah. like you do this all the time like hey man i hear you you know well, and this is the way you do it, right? Yeah. This, this is yeah. just to state it out there. I mean, active listening, that's what I was going to, you know, I wondered if you're going to hit that or not, because I think most arguments happen in relationships because the other person doesn't feel heard. So let's give an example. Um, you walk into a room, your wife is upset with you because I'm just going to pick something like you, yeah. know, you didn't help with the laundry, right? Yeah. Um, and so she says, gosh, you know what? Like, I'm really kind of mad right now. You didn't do what you say you would do. Well, your response might be, well, you didn't do this. Okay, and then she's like, no, but you don't understand. You said you were going to do this. And you'd be like, yeah, why are you always on me about this, this, and this? Yep. And so instead, if you slow that process down and just repeat back to the person what they said, uh, it, it'll keep the momentum yeah. low, and it'll also keep hearts engaged. So when you say like, okay, so what I hear you saying is you're upset with me because I didn't do what I said I would do. What part of that are you talking about? What did I not do? And then they say, oh, you didn't do the laundry. You said you are going to do this. Okay, so you're saying that you're mad at me because I didn't fold this laundry or I didn't wash laundry. Yeah, that's it. You're right. I did do that. I, I said that. I didn't do it. So now you're it just slow. You're literally it on down, the pathway man. to repentance and doing that. Yeah, already. By and, 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 and this is something, too, that, you know, I've even caught myself doing the tone of how you talk to your wife in those moments where you're trying to listen well. Yeah. Right. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, even like you can active listen and still be a jerk. You know, um, and, and wives, same thing. You can actively listen to your husband and still be a jerk. I mean, you need to realize that and realize yeah. that in those moments that it's grace. Yeah. Grace is the goal. You're, you're not on two separate teams fighting here. You're on the same team fighting to make one another like Jesus. And how in the world can a conflict over something as minuscule as laundry point you to Jesus? It can because, I mean, there's something in a lot of things. This is what I've realized 
a lot of our conflicts are rooted in something so much deeper and it's hard issues. Yeah. It's, 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 it's brokenness. I mean, um, sure. there's a really good book um, called sheet music. Um, I think it's about I'm sure, uh, Lehman. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Lehman. Yeah. Um, he has a great book about that and he talks about all the things that you bring into a marriage, all the baggage that you bring in and like all the things that come in with it. And man, it's just, there's so many things that we need to realize and then walk through it gospel centric. And the best way to do that is to listen well. And active listening, uh, man, Thomas introduced this to me and my wife, and it's something that I still, I mean, I practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, if I didn't, I'm the guy who's like, oh, you want to fight? Gasoline on this fire, baby. Yeah, That's sure. bonfire. Let's go, you know? Well, and so, just for time's sake, let's jump yeah. into the part about pursuing intimacy. Yeah, man. This is a part I think that guys, here's my statement. Guys generally marry women for who they are at that moment. Yeah. And women marry guys for all the potential they see yeah, in their future husband, yeah, generally, generally speaking. Yeah. So, like, my wife probably looked at me and thought, oh, he could be this, this, and this. And so I'm going to marry that guy and hope he gets there. I'm going to try to get him there, right? And I looked at her and thought, you don't have to change anything, right? I'm good. So what that means is the guys then think, well, I've got her. I ain't got to pursue anything. Mm -hmm. But women are always wanting to work on their relationship. Now, I'm saying that generally speaking. Um so guys, especially, yeah. let's pursue our spouses, right? That's part of the statement. And even women, pursuing your husband. Uh, so talk a little bit more about what that means and what your study brought you to. Yeah, so like with me, man, you know, pursuing intimacy. I put it in this order in our notes, spiritual, emotional, and physical. You know, and, and, and now granted, you may want to flip emotional and physical. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in, in yours. For me, this is the order that I look at my wife with. I want to pursue her in such a way that... As we move forward, as we progress towards Jesus, I want to have spiritual intimacy with her. I want to know where her heart is with Christ. I want to know what God has been saying to her, what all those things, and lead her in that realm. Um, and then, and, and and I do this with I do this with the couples that you know I do premarital counseling with. I call it the um, I call it the intimacy cycle. Um, typically speaking, now generally speaking, now everybody's different. All right. Um, there's a great book out there, the five love languages by uh, Gary Chapman, um, that you can explore your love languages and all these things. I don't, obviously it's not scripture. Um, in different seasons, your love languages can be different. I've literally watched my love languages change. I've watched my love, my wife's love languages change in different seasons, but ultimately speaking, women tend to be the more emotional creature, right? And then men tend to be the more physical creature. So when we do this intimacy cycle, when we pursue intimacy, what I would encourage every married couple to do is figure out where you are in this on that cycle. So you may be, like, let's say, 70% emotional and 30% physical as a woman or vice versa for a man. You know, 70% physical, 30% emotional. I'm a very emotional male. Like, I'm very emotional. Like, I, like I, I lean into my emotions a lot more than most men do. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not afraid to tell people how I feel. I don't bottle up my emotions. I just kind of, you know, just progress through Tyler this. Tyler tells everybody how he feels about them, including the lady at the drive-thru. Dude, I love everyone, man. And, and now, now Tom, Thomas, the other night, we were talking about something over at his house, and he said, listen, man, you throw the word love around a lot. Like, what do you mean by love? Because <laughs> That's because yeah. we ride in through the drive-thru, <laughs> and I'll be ordering food in the driver's seat, and when the lady <laughs> says, uh, all right, that'll be five ninety-five. drive around, please, he'll lean across me and say, I love you. <laughs> Right, and so he puts me in this really awkward position when that's I come up to the, the window. I mean, that's mostly for like the awkwardness, right? I mean, right. I, and then I when we pull off, he does the same thing. I again. live for awkward situations. I love putting people in those because I mean, it really shows who you are in those moments. Now, Thomas has learned a lot about it, and so like he doesn't lean away from it anymore. Yeah. And so, well, the problem is, is knowing when the moment is to cause those things. But anyway, going back to the cycle, <laughs> that is a problem. Yeah, it is. Yeah, going back to going back to the cycle. This is why, for me especially, in order for me and my wife. And I don't say this to use as manipulation because that's the biggest thing. You can you can be manipulative sure. in this. 
But in order for me to love my wife, well, I have to pursue her emotionally. I have to. I have to pursue her emotionally. I have to, you know, spend time with her, spend quality time with her, serve her, do these things. And then that will lead to physical intimacy where she can serve me in that light and those things. And then it just makes this cycle where then that makes me want to pursue her even more emotionally. And then it leads, and it's just this, when it's going, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Problem is that it doesn't always go as beautiful. And that goes back to point number two, listen well. Well, and it also goes back to love is not a feeling, it's a decision. Oh, it's a decision. You know, and every and it, morning you got to get up and make Piper that decision. Piper talks about it in um, this momentary marriage. Marriage and intimacy is not a duty. It's a delight. You know what I'm saying? Like we are meant to do. It's a delightful duty. It's something that we that we do, and it really is a duty in the sense of, but it's not just something that we're like, oh, man, I got to do the laundry. Oh, man, I got to take care of my kid. Oh, man. Like, no, it means this. You are finding delight. So, in link, so link for me here. You know, your your kind of big crescendo uh, about all this is running to Jesus together. Run to Jesus, man. So, how, how does how does that pursuit of intimacy? Because that's one of the weirdest things, right? Let's be honest. One of the weirdest things is like, how do you have sex to the glory of God? How do you create intimacy mm. to the glory of God? Like, are you in the middle of sex and you're like praying? You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> people have God. these weird questions. Yeah, I hear it all the time. Yeah. When I talk to people yeah, like, I mean, how real. do you have sex to the glory of God? Or how do you how do you create intimacy? And how does that running to Jesus together? Because you run to Jesus. It's easy to talk about that when you're struggling. Run to Jesus. But what about in the good times? You know, what about in the intimacy? How, how is that pushing you towards? No, no. Are you asking like specifically, like in regards to sex? Like, is that what I you're mean, that's asking? Just a, one level of intimacy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, yeah. How I mean, is that? How do you lead each other to Jesus yeah. in all areas of your marriage? Not just the bad, which we always think about when asking you to Jesus, but you should be running towards Christ together all the time. always, right? I mean, so let how, your how do you how do you do that? How does how does your intimacy do that? How does your relationship do that, including sex, but not only in sex? Yeah, the first thing I would say is the importance of spiritual intimacy, like spiritual intimacy to together i mean my my goodness family worship together i mean spending time with the lord together those things are so important and then also spending time with the lord apart like i mean that's something that like man i mean i get asked this question so many times what's a good couple devotional what's a good couple devotional man pursue the lord song, and read the scripture. song of songs that's what makes song of solomon i mean i mean ephesians i mean goodness like you don't need like i mean I'm better going to a rant real quick. You don't need couple devotionals. You have the Bible, like you know what I'm saying. Like, like, like pick a book, read the book, and get then, a good commentary that's yeah. like an applicable commentary. Yeah. Get a good study Bible, the ESV, yes. and read it together. Ask the question: What does this mean to you? How does this mean? Ask the Lord: What does this mean for us? Go grab the best modern devotional out there, New Morning Mercies. Read uh, it separately. Trip, yes. Or read it together. Links on our website. Brother, read it in the morning. Give it to your wife at night, and then in the morning, talk about what you learned. From it, it is a Bible study. It gives you it's so much extra text. So you can go good. so deep, man. But anyway, it's one for every day. It's a spiritual intimacy. That's the best way to do that. Doing it together, doing it separately, and then emotional intimacy, like sitting down, spending time with one another. Jesus desires that. Like, like that's the thing. That's my favorite thing about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't just desire us to be like this, like you know, just this like you know aesthetic spiritualism. Like we actually strive, he strives, and there is an we we serve a very emotional Jesus. I mean, Jesus was emotional, and so we need to pursue Jesus in our emotions, and that means when we're together, we spend time together. Like we're engaging in those emotional things. Now you may be saying, Tyler, I don't really have a lot of emotion. Yes, you do. You're 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 covering it up. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I would say that there's different. Or now, you may press those things down so much yeah. you don't know what they are, or how they work, but they come out in other ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing I think too that. When you are doing what you're created to do in its perfection of holiness, 
you are glorifying God. Yes. And so when your marriage is, when you are enjoying the company of your spouse and you are truly delighting in him or her, then you are glorifying God that more. You're doing what you're made to do. Amen. You know, you talked about how marriage is the is the 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 first and last picture of the gospel in the scriptures that yeah. we see. And I think that that's that when you when you're in that relationship in the right way, um, you don't have to stop and pray in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whether sexually or just a moment together yeah. of any kind, like connection. Um, that that is enjoying one another to the fullest way that you're intended to do before the fall and now points to the glory of God. And that well, is, in, a, in essence, that helps you run to Jesus together. Yeah. And, you know, and even sexually, like I, 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 I said this jokingly to a brother, you know, but, and, and, but I mean it seriously. Like, I mean, I said it jokingly, but I mean it seriously. When I first had sex with my wife, I understood the gospel deeper. Like, and I, and I genuinely mean that. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a funny statement. Like, you're like, what? Mingling of souls points us out. Matt Chandler points us out. Like, where did the high priest have to go to experience the glory of God behind the curtain? Yeah. Alone with God. Those moments of sexual intimacy with your wife or with your husband, you are alone with them. You're, 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 you're behind the curtain. Nobody else should be seeing that. Nobody else yeah. should be experiencing that. And literally, when you look at it in that light, you are experiencing a picture of the Shekinah glory of God in that moment of Christ and his church. Now, now like that's kind of a weird imagery because like a lot of people, like this well, is where we're kind of getting to that weird. Say it, say it differently. Yeah. It, it, it's a picture of that because... It's back to the garden prior to sin naked where you're naked and unashamed. And unashamed. Exactly. Naked and unashamed. And on top of that, like, this is where you get into those really weird, like, people that, you know, they, they view, like, <laughs> Song of Solomon as, like, super allegorical, you know? And you're like, man, yeah. I don't I don't want to imagine Jesus touching me like that. Like, you no, know what I mean? Yeah, it's not about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's but about sex. It's about sex, you know? And there is some allegorical aspects, but Song of Solomon is about sex to the glory of God. You know, and now, I mean, and that's the beauty of this is that that's the picture of it. It's this picture of intimacy that nobody else is experiencing. And that's the picture of Christ and his church. There's an intimacy between Christ and his church that nobody else should be experiencing. But even though the church is an unfaithful bride, you know, I heard um, I, I heard Ray Ortland say this, and it's very frank, but I'm going to use it. Ray Ortland said that the gospel is, is God going and seeking out the unfaithful slut for his glory. Yeah. I mean, I mean, genuinely. I mean, when you yeah. read the Old Testament, that's the story of Hosea. Yeah, Hosea. It's sort of the old, whole Old Testament. Ezekiel, but, man. I mean, he calls. I mean, he goes. Oh, yeah, we don't have to get into. Yeah, Ezekiel we don't have to. But I mean, the, but yeah. the language is just so, 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 so brass. And so, but y'all, thank you so much. Like, I mean, for real. Like, I mean, I yeah, appreciate. I mean, your this has been honestly. it's been really good, Tyler. It was a really good sermon. Uh, I feel like it was it was apropos it was what we needed to hear. And I think that it can spur all of us, no matter where we were, whether we've been divorced, yeah. whether we haven't, whether we have uh, been unfaithful in our marriages or whether we haven't, whether we've been married or we haven't yet, um, whether we're widowed or married now, I think it was good. Uh, and I think that applied to all. That was really hard to do. So I yeah. appreciate your effort in that. And uh, let me just say, I think all of it, I mean, marriage is a huge part of our church becoming a family for families Yes, and helping ourselves to become what we need to be, helping others to lean into that. And all of that is helping us get back to being the church the way that Jesus intended. So thank you guys for listening today. Thank you for uh, being a part of this. Let us know what you want to hear from us on. We want to be able to serve you where you are. So email us, text us, stop us in the halls, and let's talk about it so that we can find out how to be the church Jesus intended. Yep, let's do it.